Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the most cancelled person in all of the world. Well, I don't know if that's true, but I'm probably in the top ten. And uh, I'm feeling good. I know I'm not supposed to, but I keep feeling good. Am I allowed to do that? Am I doing it wrong? Am I doing cancellation wrong if I enjoy it? Because i got to say, I've, seen, I've had more outpouring of love and support than any time in my entire life. <laughs> Not even close. The, the, the amount of love and support I'm getting is through the roof. We'll talk about that. But if you'd like to take your experience to a higher level, all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker, chalice, a stein, a canty, jug, or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. Join me now for the unparalleled pleasure of the dopamine hit of the, the day, the thing that makes everything better. It's called the simultaneous sip. And today, I'm going to light the world on fire. Oh, you think I already did? No, not yet. You think I've been controversial before this? Well, just wait for today. That's a double sip. Mm. Ah. Will I be doing something that's dangerous today? Something dangerous? Yeah, yeah, I will. Something provocative? Yeah, probably. Probably. But first, we're going to talk about the boring news. Lori Lightfoot got defeated in Chicago because apparently allowing crime to run free is not as popular as you would have imagined. Not nearly as popular. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, Then let's talk about Ukraine. Blah, blah, blah. Lies about Ukraine. Blah, blah, blah. Things we can't trust. Blah, blah, blah. Russian assault. Blah, blah, blah. Ukraine fighting them back. Blah, blah, blah. Russian heavy casualties, maybe. Blah, blah, blah. No word about Ukrainian casualties, as usual. Um, nothing we can believe there. But there, there is one... There is one maybe interesting element. I keep looking for the collapse points. You know, when you've got this big war, there's lots of moving parts. Sometimes you're close to collapse without knowing it. Because if any one of the components you know, goes bad, like, let's say if the supply chain for the war dried up, you know, because the Ukrainians did a good job, that'd be kind of a collapse point. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying there are a number of things that could be collapse points. And one of them is this. So apparently the Wagner group has, you know, got the best fighters, and they're, they're usually the point of the spear doing the attacking. And they're doing an attack in which they're reportedly, again, you can't believe anything out of Ukraine, but reportedly Wagner Group is sending their best troops uh, in on this fight, and there are heavy casualties. Well, how many of the best troops are left? Now, I know they've been using, allegedly, you know, who knows, but these human waves of people. Um, How many of the best fighters are left? Because the collapse point is when there's not, uh, not enough of the best fighters because the, the conscripts aren't going to get it done. So we might be at a point where there are still you know, hundreds of thousands of soldiers, but 15,000 that know how to fight, there could be 7,000 by the you know, end of the week. That feels like a collapse point, doesn't it? I'm not predicting it. I'm just saying that's one of the things that could make everything suddenly change. A sudden change would be, and I'm just making up numbers, 15,000 really good fighters, if you take that down to seven, just through you know, attrition and death, do they have anything? You know, at that point, are they just done? They can't fight at that point? I mean, we might be getting close to that. But again, no information that comes out of Ukraine is reliable. Rasmussen has a poll, says uh, 47% of Republicans... Uh, at least somewhat agree that red states and blue states need a national divorce, as do 26% of Democrats and 27% of voters not affiliated. Now, I don't take any of this too seriously, this whole national divorce thing. Isn't that the entire point of having different states? (laughs) And isn't it working well? 
Are, are people not moving from California to Texas and Florida? I mean, I, I realize that you know, if you're lower income, that's not an option. But it does seem like the free market is starting to do the thing it's supposed to do, which is to sort things out when we get to a situation like this. Now, it's, I think it's sorting it out too slowly. You, know, you can't instantly move to another place and blah, blah, blah. But I don't really see the problem. This feels like a manufactured problem, doesn't it? You know, I, I get the rhetoric and you know, we can't get along and all that. But has that ever been any different in America? You know, when, when did we all get along? <laughs> I don't remember that time. So <clears throat> I don't think anything actually will happen from the national divorce thing. But uh, it's fun to talk about. Well, since I apparently I'm still one of the biggest stories in, in the country, is everybody okay if I talk about me as long as I'm provocative and I cause more trouble? I think you'd enjoy that. I'm going to be provocative and cause more trouble. But I'll uh, lead into it this way. So Hotep Jesus, as you know, interviewed me, and he's, he's the only interview on anywhere in which I've actually given my comments in full. So there's only one source, if you want to know the context of my current drama. It's Hotep Jesus' interview on YouTube. Just Google it, you'll find it. But uh, Hotep uh, tweeted this morning, After my interview with Scott Adams, the extreme left thinks I'm a sellout for white supremacy, and the extreme right thinks I'm a black supremacist. What does this mean? (laughs) What does it mean? Uh, That's a real question. What does it mean? Well, the first thing it means is what we've known for a while, which is the facts don't matter to the the opinion, right? Because they're both looking at the same set of facts, and they're arriving at opposite movies, right? Two movies. So this is my lead-in to don't trust anything. And now I'm going to explain to the people who are not, you know, media geeks like I am, how the, how the cancellation works. This is the inside story that you won't hear anywhere else. I promise you won't hear this anywhere else. This is the inside story of how a cancellation works. And if you haven't hear, heard the whole layout, it feels like there's no story here, right? It looks pretty straightforward. If, if you were, let's say, not a media student, you, know, you were just watching the news, but you didn't study the news, you would say that a cancellation is this simple situation. Somebody did something bad, the public noticed, then the public reacted to get rid of this bad actor. Right? And that, that's the way the newspapers are reporting it. I did something bad, they say, you know, they don't, because they omit the context, but they say I did something bad, and then good people react, oh, terrible, and then they remove me. Do you think that explains what actually happens in the real world? Does that sound like something that actually happened to me? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Not one of those things happened to me. Let me tell you the inside story of what happened to me. Who was the first entity to cancel me? Do you remember? I believe it was was the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Now, is that a a Democrat-leaning town? Cleveland, 53% black. Yeah, it's a Democrat town, right? Now, when the Washington Post canceled me, and I think the Washington Post is the one that mattered because they're the ones who made it sort of okay for everybody else to do it. Now, what has been my opinion of the Washington Post, which I've said many, many times in the past five years? I've called them fake news. At the same time, they they were paying me. So at the same time the Washington Post was paying me, I was calling them fake news uh, probably every week for years, because it was. The reason I call them fake news is because it actually is. Like, actually, literally, they make up the news. Now, how many of you didn't know that? Is there anybody here who doesn't know that the news industry literally makes up the news? Or they don't bother to check it or something. But it's wrong. Well, there's an article in Fortune that just came out a few weeks ago, two weeks ago. And it says that trust in media is so low 
that half of Americans now believe that news organizations deliberately mislead them. Half? But what's wrong with the other half? How could only half of the people in the United States know that the news misleads them intentionally? How could you not know that? (laughs) Who in the world doesn't know that the news is basically all fake if it's political? Did you hear that? All of the news is fake if it's political. Because the news organizations don't even pretend to be non-political. It's just a narrative. So if, if the news tells you something about, let's say, a disaster, and there's no political element, it's probably right. It's probably true. But if the news reports anything that has a political uh, element to it, they're not even trying. There's no attempt, not really, to tell you the real news. It's all, it's all narrative. Now, I'm surprised that half of the country is not even aware of that, which perfectly explains my situation. Imagine if the whole country knew that the news was made up whenever it's political. Like, literally, it's just made up. How would they treat my situation if they knew that I was one of the most effective voices for Trump, in particular? <clears throat> what would, how would they treat me? Well, there's no news organization that leans left that would treat the story as an objective news story. They would treat it as advocates for Democrats. And the first thing you need to do is get rid of me from the public stage right before a big election. How many of you, how many of you knew immediately that this was political? Now, it's not entirely political. Yeah, let, let me be clear. It's political at the cancellation level. It's not political at the public level. The public is responding to what they see. Right? The public is just responding. But when the Washington Post cancels me, they're canceling somebody who was their biggest critic. (laughs) Maybe not the biggest, but I'm one of the biggest critics because they make up the news. So the fake news made up some fake news, which is easy to do. You just leave out the context, in my case. So you just leave out the context, which is how they create fake news. And then they canceled me for calling them fake news. Now, not only for that reason, but you know that they needed to get rid of any capable voices that might be opposed to them. Now, did anybody actually say that out loud at the Washington Post? Did anybody sit in the meeting and say, you know, I think we've got to get rid of this guy because he's got you know, a strong political voice? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I doubt there was any like, direct conversation. But how easy is it to cancel the person who's your biggest critic? Should you, should you take uh, the opinion from somebody who I've been criticizing vocally and publicly for five years? In no case is that a reliable, is that a reliable uh, voice. But how about the other voices? Are they uh, more reliable? Well, let's, let's take a look at some of the, uh, the biggest ones. There was CNN. Do I, do I criticize CNN for fake news almost every day? For years. Yes, yes. Is CNN an unbiased source of news, or do they lean left? Well, they tried a little bit to be unbiased, but no, they're not biased. How about uh, Jake Tapper of CNN? I guess he went at me pretty hard. I didn't see it, but I heard that. Um, Is Jake Tapper a credible voice on this topic? What do you think? Is Jake Tapper a believable, credible voice on this exact topic? Well, let me tell you something you didn't know. Prior to any of this, a few years ago, I canceled Jake Tapper personally from my own life, blocked him on social media, because you know we'd had a number of interactions uh, privately. And I blocked him because he falsely accused me of being a racist in person, like individually. He falsely, and here's why I say falsely. The context was I was complaining about CNN's coverage of the fake news that Trump called neo-Nazis fine people. Now, if you're not up with the fake news, that never happened. It was a a video edit. They just clip out the part where he says, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis. So they take that out, and it looks like he is. (laughs) That's the little trick. So CNN has been running this obvious fake news for years, and I saw this new package that was on there, a package using the industry term. 
And there was a voiceover from some woman who was voicing the fake news again about that hoax. And I complained to him, and he said, would you have said that if the person who did the report had not been black? Now, I think my jaw dropped to the floor. Because number one, I was not aware of her ethnicity at all. I'd heard a voice. You know, the, the TV voices, they all sound the same. You know, any, anybody who's on TV, they adopt that sort of generic voice. So I, had no, I didn't know who she was before that. Abby somebody? I forget her last name. But I was only responding to the content that it was obviously fake news and it was very bad for me personally. Because the fake news was painting me as a racist. Do you get that? I was a supporter of Trump. The fake, the fake news said that he said neo-Nazis are good people, and therefore, as a supporter, I get slimed by the fake news racism. So I was complaining about being accused of being a racist unfairly, and while I was complaining about being accused unfairly, he accused me unfairly. So I canceled him, and then when this happened, he once again, I assume, left out the content it was Abby Phillips. Somebody's, somebody's reminding me. Uh, it was Abby Phillips, I believe. And, uh, and so he canceled me based on fake news a third time. This is the third time Jake Tapper has directly or indirectly canceled me for fake news. Once by associating me with the fake news of Trump and the neo-Nazis. Once by imagining I was racist because... Somehow, somehow the race of the reporter would make a difference. Like, I don't even know how that would make a difference. Because no matter who said it, it was still wrong. <laughs> and I was only talking about what they said and whether it was factually right. So this is the third time Jake Tapper has slimed me with the wrong context and fake news for the same thing. Now, I've never known a worse piece of shit. I have to, I have to say... He is a piece of shit. And I don't say that about many people. And let me say this as as, clearly as I can. White people are fucking awful. (laughs) White people suck. I'll tell you. They they will immediately run to their little cave and, and start yelling at anybody to get an advantage. White people are pretty close to a fucking hate group at this point. But how about the press? Is the press a hate group? I would say yes. I would say the the left-leaning press is a hate group against the right. And I would say the right-leaning press has got some stuff to answer for, too. Might might be a little bit too much Haiti, if you know what I mean. So I'm not going to let the left or right off the hook. I believe they both present um, clickbait news to their people. And how is it not going to be racially charged? How is it not? You can't really help it. So I think the press is a hate group. I think uh, white people are a hate group. But of course, in all things, uh, since I I hope most of you are not NPCs. Are there any NPCs watching? Non-player characters? Because I'll present this differently for the NPCs. It has to be simplified for them. But uh, for the rest of you, I'll I'll keep it it more uh, nuanced. All right, then I also saw that Dean Obadiah, Obadiah, Dean Obadiah, I can't pronounce his last name. So do you know what his role is on CNN usually? You recognize the name? If you were not a student of the news, you would think, hey, here's this prominent person who's saying bad things about Scott Adams, so that's probably true. But would you be aware that Dean is Dean Obadiah is who they send out when... Uh, they just want somebody to say crazy shit. <laughs> He's basically their attack dog for crazy shit. If the only thing you knew is that Dean Obadiah was against me and you were also a student of the news, you would conclude that I was right without even hearing my argument. It, it's sort of like the worse-than-Watergate guy. You know, when CNN sends the worse-than-Watergate guy out, you know it's fake news. They don't get the worse than Watergate guy out unless it's fake news. They don't ask Dean Obladiah to write an opinion piece unless it's fake news. 
We'll hide that user. Um, so he's, he's like this great, you know, shining bright light that says whatever this guy says is the opposite of true because that's his role. I mean, his actual role is to spew bullshit. That's like, I don't know that that, I don't think it's his job description, but it's clearly the role he's been filling for years. Yeah, and I'll make a distinction. <clears throat> uh, somebody like Wolf Blitzer is there to report the news, and I suspect he tries you know, hard to report it straight. But Dean Obadiah, that's a different situation. All right, how about this? Uh, the New York Times uh, also dunked on me. Is the New York Times a source of real news or fake news? Real or fake? New York Times. Yeah. Any, anybody who actually follows the news business knows that they are basically a source of fake news, somewhat consistently. Again, only on political stuff, right? Political and also uh, uh, weapons of mass destruction stuff, which I guess is political in a way. We'll get rid of the, this troll. Got a lot of trolls today. I'm attracting a lot of energy. Yeah, the New York Times is a fake news organization. In fact, uh, they were one of the main perpetrators of uh, it's fake news to say that the lab leak came from Wuhan. So the New York Times was slapping that down as fake news when, in fact, they were the fake news. So um, I'm giving you... So the first thing you need to know is that the... Oh, and let me... Um, and then let me tell you how the cascade goes. So there's a cascade effect when the, the notion of canceling somebody comes up. So I'll tell you how the cascade worked in my, my case. Uh, there were, of course, individuals who were complaining. But the people making the decisions were the ones who are politically lined against me. Would anybody disagree with that? Oh, let me give you some context. So far, nobody prominent on the right has uh, criticized me, except for maybe the way I said it. There's nobody on the right who disagrees with the content of what I said after they've seen it in context. Would you agree? That nobody on the right, not black, not white, nobody black or white on the political right has disagreed with my, uh, my point, but some have disagreed with the way I said it, which is actually valid. Do you know why it's valid that they disagree with the way I said it? Do you know why I'm agreeing with that? Because the way I said it was to provoke. And they're saying, you shouldn't have provoked. And I'm saying, I hear you that what I did provoked. But if you think I shouldn't have done it, then you're probably a cowardly fuck who doesn't want to speak truth and is afraid of it. So there's that. Anyway, um, I don't expect to be monetized today, so we'll see how this goes. But let me tell you how the cascade goes. So first, the people who are politically aligned against me, coincidentally, are also the cancelers. Oh, coincidentally, they're politically aligned against me. But only the people who are politically aligned against me. Now, it starts with only that, right? So do you think this is about race? If it were about race, don't you think black conservatives would have something to say about me? <laughs> Do you think black conservatives don't know what racism is because they're conservative? That's not a thing. Black conservatives know what racism is. Does anybody disagree with that statement? And they looked at the situation and they said, well, suboptimal the way you said it, but, you know, we get your point. Right? Now, you're also seeing... Uh, uh, Megan Kelly was made a strong point. Uh, Newsweek actually said I shouldn't be canceled. Did you see that today? So an article in Newsweek said I shouldn't be canceled, um, and that it was racist to cancel me. Interestingly, so there will be a little turn in the news. Anyway, so first the cascade starts with people who are clearly more politically motivated than racially motivated, and you can know that because the conservative blacks didn't have the same problem. It's clearly lined up by politics, not by race. And so that's the beginning of the cascade. And then the cascade goes to the people who don't know me, so they don't know anything about me, they're just being introduced, and they don't know the context. 
So if the newspapers say, hey, he did this bad thing, the people who don't know me personally, which would you know, debunk it just by that, and the people who don't know my context, and also 50% of the country thinks that the news is real. They still think it's real. <laughs> All right. Um, so then they join on because they don't know they don't know me and they don't know the story, but they they get pretty mad. Then you get what I call the dopamine gooners. The dopamine gooners are really easy to identify on Twitter. They're the people who seem to be enjoying the hell and of destroying my life. Maybe they're politically you know on the other side. Maybe it's just because I was successful. Maybe it's just because they're horrible, horrible people. But you can tell they're enjoying it. So you can't really take that group seriously, can you? Can, can, you take, can you take seriously a group that's tweeting with one hand and using the other hand for something else? I mean, that's purely a pleasure, that's a, a pleasure loop that has nothing to do with me or what happened. And I think it's independent of me in some ways because they're just looking for the new thing to beat off to, basically. So, there, so first you have the political people who cancel me, then the people who don't know the story who join in, then you got the dopamine gooners who are just enjoying the attack. Uh, then you have the next level is where it gets bad. So the next part of the cascade is what I'll call the innocent bystanders who get caught in the crossfire. <laughs> in this case, the innocent bystanders included my uh, syndication company. So the company that was distributing to the newspapers. Um, and again, I'll say this again, my syndication company has been great. Like from the first contact with them, you know, decades ago, just a real quality organization. One of the best organizations I've ever had any contact with. But they didn't have a choice. Right? The, the pressure was on. So they're in the innocent bystander, uh, I would say victim. I would say they're victims of this. But they have to do what they have to do. Now, I haven't talked to anybody at my publisher, but um, so I don't know if they were buying into the narrative or, or if they were just caught in the crossfire. Um, then you get, apparently there's a bubble in New York City. Uh, the New York City liberals are just insane about this story. So because most publishing has a strong New York City connection, it's impossible for publishers to support me at this point. It's just impossible. The, the, the fact that my business uh, had any concentration that involved New York City, especially the publishing part, uh, makes it just impossible. Uh, the, there's no rationality going on there at all. All right, so that's the New York City crazies. And then you get the race grifters. So a lot of, a lot of the news cycle is, is run by the race grifters. And interestingly, two race grifters from the, uh, the anti-Semitic um, world have come over to, to join in the attack because they're race grifters. So the race grifters have to get in on any of these topics, right? They've, and they're always going to be on the same side. Yeah, Al Sharpton. I think Al Sharpton weighed in today. So all, all of the race grifters are going to get in. But the funny part is that uh, Jonathan Greenblatt of the ADL like, the, the, the Jewish community, I think, was feeling left out because I had said literally nothing about them whatsoever, and I'm one of the biggest supporters of the Jewish community, huge supporter of Israel. And I think they were just left out because the grifters, like all the, the, the black race grifters were, like, having a heyday. And they're like, yeah, this is good. And the, the Jewish race grifters were like, hey, i got to get in on this. So they looked around and they found something long ago that I'd said, essentially, it must be really hard to count the number of dead from the Holocaust. So whether it's 5 million or 10 million, it's the same story, right? It doesn't change anything if you're off by half a million, right? Nothing changes. But that got turned into Holocaust denier. Is there anybody thinks you could count accurately all the dead from World War II in any category? You know, whether it's the Jewish dead or any other dead, do you think you could get an accurate count from World War II? No. Now, of course, I'm saying this again, and that'll, that'll get turned into uh, he's Holocaust denier. Who, I've never met anybody who denied the Holocaust. Have you? Have you ever even met, like, a real person? who denied that it even happened. 
You actually have. Some people have. All right. Well, I've never even met one. I've never even met one. To me, it's just crazy. But so today I'm being accused of that uh, because the race grifters like, felt left out, so they had to throw in some new stuff. I'm, I'm waiting for the gender grifters. Have you noticed that the gender grifters have been silent? I don't know why. I was expecting more gender grifters to get in here and say, well, he said that one time, that thing one time. All right. So, um, so then after the race grifters get in, you get the NPCs. So the NPCs are the people who are operating at the lowest level of politics. And I'm going to give you the uh, five things that the NPCs say because they can't understand any nuance. Uh, they say, I made a racist rant. If you don't say why I said it, or you don't put it in the context that the whole point was to get away from racists, you're an NPC. There's just no way around it. If that's your level of understanding of this story, and you don't know that I was talking against hate and against discrimination, and then the the news reversed it, if you don't know that, you're an NPC. Uh, the the, The other NPC is complaining that uh, that I'm complaining about being the victim. That is the most NPC thing you can say about this. He's complaining about being the victim. First of all, have I complained? Uh, when did I complain? I've described, but that's the news. The, the headline is the news, right? I'm telling you what happened. How, how is telling you what happened being a victim? And by the way, (laughs) I would say the victims here are black America. I would say the victim of this story is black America. Did black America get a better reputation because of this? Do black Americans look better because of this? I don't think so. I think this was a black eye for black Americans. Only on the left. Because remember, the black Americans on the right who looked at the context, they were fine. <laughs> They're like, hey, free speech. You know, maybe I wouldn't have said it that way, but I get your point. Right? They were fine. Um, so I think uh, black Americans who lean left are the victims of this. Now, those of you who've known me for years, answer this question. You won't, you won't see the same answers on, on the Locals platform. But... Answer this question, yes or no. I have been a strong ally of black Americans for years, very prominently. Yes or no? 100% yes on locals? How about YouTube? Now, YouTube, you don't know me as well. But the ones who think yes, check check the other comments. Because there aren't that many people who would be trolls or lying about it. right? Now, when you read any of the news stories, did you see this context? And do you think it's an important context that I've been one of the strongest allies of black America for years? For years. I mean, I supported Colin Kaepernick. I worked with Black Lives Matter trying to make a difference. I supported prison reform. I mean, you could go right down the line. I actually wrote in favor of reparations, but not, not the way it's formulated today. Um, Right? And, uh, and I've personally invested. America would be the biggest benefactor, which is a big reason it's worth doing, because I think that's you know, the biggest hole and the most important thing to fix. Now, if you take my voice away, is black America better or worse? <laughs> I mean, you know, who's the victim? I'm still rich. I'm still rich. But the people I was trying to help they're fucked because they're not going to get the same help. Or are they? Or are they? Because we're going to get provocative here in a minute. We're going to get provocative. All right, so um, here's something else the NPCs say. Uh, uh, First Amendment doesn't apply. These are private companies making decisions. When did I, when did I complain about that distinction. <laughs> now, in the real world, if you're not an NPC, there's, of course, the, the legal First Amendment free speech, and everybody knows that that doesn't apply to private companies. 
But the reality is that the private companies are such gatekeepers that it's, it's as if it's the same. So the NPC can't understand that even though it's not technically true, it's as if it's the same. If you can be shut up by various you know, private entities, what good is free speech do you? What the hell are you going to do with your free speech if you can't use any means of communication? <laughs> so, of course, that's, it's the same thing in practice. Uh, the others say that uh, I should stop complaining, which I haven't done. I haven't complained, not once. Um, because I'm the cause of my own problems. Do you think I'm not aware that I triggered all of this? Now, I would say there are lots of broken things in the world that contributed to the outcome, but certainly in terms of responsibility, that's all me. (laughs) Did, Did anybody hear me not take responsibility for my own actions? Is that me? That's literally the opposite of everything I've ever said my entire whole life. No, I take responsibility for my action 100%. 100%. I own it, and you haven't heard me apologize, have you? Have I apologized to anybody? Nope. I own my opinion, and I'm the only person in the world that can do that right now because I'm willing to pay the price. You can't afford it. I don't recommend it. All right. Um, here's what I learned in sort of trying to educate myself about what works and what doesn't. And this is a gross generalization, and therefore it does not apply to all people. So the NPCs won't be able to hear that part. They're going to say, why are you saying that's true of all those people? After I said, I'm not, re- not referring to all the people, but they'll still say that. And it goes like this. Black Americans don't want advice from white Americans. True or false? Now, again, this is an overgeneralization, right? There are plenty of black Americans who have literally asked me for advice, and almost all of them have gotten it, I think. Maybe all of them. Right? So this is not about individuals. This is sort of a group. And, and by the way, I respect that. I respect that. Because do white Americans understand what's going on in the black community? Maybe like a little, but not much. Like, I I feel like that's an actual completely valid thing to say. How how about... Now, what is is it that black Americans do want? What do they want if they don't want white advice? Because you know why they don't want white advice? It sucks. It sucks. Let me give you some white advice. All right, I wrote, wrote down some good white advice. Here's why maybe it's not so good. Here's some good white advice. Uh, change your culture. Oh, there's some good advice. I, I'm going to go right out and go do that. How about uh, stay married or it's the welfare state? Now, these things, these things all have some element of truth, right? It's just that they're not actionable. Do you get that? These sound like, you know, it sounds in some cases they're just racist statements. But even if you're trying to be helpful, like even, even if there's somebody who's non-racist who says, oh, you've got to help the culture, how would you do that? How do you do that? This is a useless piece of advice. Am I right? It, to me, it's useless. See, the problem is that if you make the distinction between what's true and what's useful... I mean, you have to make that distinction. It might be true that the culture has an impact, but if it's not a lever you can move, look for something you can actually make a difference. It's not going to make any difference. Like, what do you do? Wake up and change your culture? Like, how does that work? (laughs) All right. And how about, you know, stay married? Has that helped? For how many years have Democrats or Republicans said, you know, family unit is important, stay married. Has that ever helped? That's never helped, right? It's only going in the other direction. So it's true advice. Like if you could magically stay married, that would be a good idea. But we don't have magic. So this is not useful advice. This is dumbass white advice. This is just dumbass white advice. Totally. It's just political, it's just political thinking and then words come out of your mouth. And they might even be based on something true. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter at all. Because it's not useful. 
It's just completely not useful. All right, how about... And then there's uh, observations about the welfare state, and maybe it rewards people for not being married. There's probably something to that, right? Do you think we're going to fix that? I mean, how do you fix it? Not give help to people who are single and have a kid? I mean, we're not going to stop doing it. So you've got to find something that works that isn't dumbass white advice. This is just really dumbass advice. It's terrible. Um, so if you ask, what do blacks want? Um, again, this is not all black Americans. There's great diversity within black Americans. But there's one answer I hear more than another. That what black people want from white people is not advice, <laughs> definitely not advice, is money. It's money. Because you can't fix anything without money. Right? Now, I'm not talking about reparations specifically, although that would fit within money, of course. But black Americans say, we can take care of it. Now, this would be more of a conservative take. But we can take care of it, but it will require some funding. You know, then there'll be a lot of work at the local levels and stuff, and we'll take care of it. But here's my complaint with that. Is that working? Like, I don't see that working. Do you? <laughs> Basically, nothing's worked. No, no white advice has ever worked. And for whatever reason, black America seems to be not being able to capitalize on the fact that white Americans would give them money if, if there's something that's worth funding. Like, it has to make sense. Would white Americans fund school choice? It's already happening. Do you know why? It's a good idea. That's all. It's a good idea. So you can get funding for anything that's a good idea. Can you get funding for something that's a bad idea? Well, sometimes. But it's harder. So if all, if all uh, black America has is bad ideas bad ideas suggested by white people, the worst of them, and then bad ideas only in the sense that whatever they're doing isn't working yet, right? So I don't have details on why it doesn't, but it's not. So there's basically nothing working at the moment. So since uh, I believe that black Americans do not need advice from white people, I'm not going to give them any. But I'm going to make some observations. My observations would apply to all people. So not, not all black people, but all people. So I'm going to make some general observations about what works and what doesn't. All right? Here's what works for everybody. However, there would be a great many details that are being left out and... Uh, those are the details that I think black Americans would need to work out without a whole bunch of bad white advice. Basically, everybody who succeeds, no matter what their color or what their situation, they do it the same way. They avoid crime. They avoid getting addicted to drugs or alcohol. Uh, they don't have kids before they can afford it. Um, and staying married is, of course, a big advantage. Uh, they focus on learning not just in school, but forever, just adding skills, adding skills all the time. And then they exhibit character, which is basically doing what you say you're going to do, which is pretty much it, right? Just doing what you say you're going to do. And if you do these five things, whether you're white or black in America, you're going to come out okay. But here's the problem. Is this actionable? It takes more than this to make all this work. Like, you need to have some kind of situation where it's easier to avoid addiction and easier to stay out of crime. And I think black America is starting like way behind because of systemic racism. Would you agree? Would you agree that systemic racism, and especially the effect on the school system through the teachers' unions, puts black Americans way too often in situations where it's hard to do the things that everybody does? It's harder for them to do the things that everybody does to, to succeed. But it should be known that they should all learn this, these five. So, well, that sounds like advice. I'll make an observation. If, if a black kid does not learn that everybody who does these things succeeds, just about everybody, that would be a huge, huge disadvantage. Do you think white people learn this? What do you think? 
Do you think white people learn these five uh, tricks for success? I think so. <laughs> and the answer is yes. I think yes. Now, some of that is a luxury that you did not have systemic uh, racism weighing you down, right? But if you're around successful people, which I would argue is one of the biggest uh, negative impacts of systemic racism, is that white people are a little more likely statistically to have uh, contact with somebody who has also succeeded in an important way. If you're in a low-income neighborhood, you might not even know anybody successful except a drug dealer or a pimp. So who are you going to look up to? If you put me in that situation, I couldn't get out. I would be an awesome drug dealer. (laughs) I might be the best drug dealer ever, but I don't think I could get out, like if you put me in the same situation. All right. And here's my second observation. So the first observation is if you're not doing that stuff, you really don't have a, a chance. So that's a good framework of just figuring out what you're doing. All right. Secondly, I would say this of all people. All right. This is applicable to black America, but it is a general statement of all people. It goes like this. A success strategy, there, there are two kinds of success strategies. One focuses backwards, and one focuses forwards. A backwards uh, examples would be if you're focusing on the causes of your current situation, you know, historical racism. and If you're looking at CRT, ESG, and DEI, these are programs for companies and education which focus on a victim frame. The victim frame is always backwards-looking. If the way you talk about your situation is as a victim or as the the legacy of things from the past, that is a backwards focus. Now, what is the importance of black history for Americans? Critical. Critical. Black history needs to be taught to everybody, right? Black history needs to really be a, a major educational, uh, you know, variable. But there's a difference between education and making sure that your history is correct and it is taught well. There's a big difference between that and focus. So we're not talking about history, yes or no. History, yes, is the only answer. History, yes. We, we have to have history. But you don't have to focus on it as your strategy for success. Now, I was listening to black conservatives on his spaces recently, and one of the things that I noted was how often they talked about the past. I don't know how, I don't know how prevalent that is. So I don't know if it was just that group, because again, everybody knows black Americans are widely diverse. But I worry, so this is an observation, it's not advice, I worry that this mindset couldn't work for anybody. Like, you could replace black Americans with any other group. Just say, here's your strategy for success. We want you to really focus on the bad things that happened to you, focus on who did it to you, and then make sure that the people who did it to you are paying a little extra to make things right. This is a strategy that wouldn't work for anybody anywhere, at any time. However, it totally works temporarily, and that's the problem. It totally feeds the, the race grifters because people make money selling all this. All right, this, is, this is a commercial product. So as long as the race grifters are moving your focus backwards, you're never going to succeed. This isn't advice. This is an observation. Nobody, white, black, old, young, nobody anywhere can succeed with this mindset. This is a losing mindset. Absolute losing mindset. Let me, let me compare that with a winning mindset. And by the way, I believe this is a legacy of systemic racism. All right? Those of you who are primed to be racists, I'm not saying anything about black people. That's not what I'm talking about. It's strategy. Right? Black people are the victims of systemic racism. And so... There's probably a, a history that causes them to be a little bit more backwards-focused. You could understand that, right? Okay, put yourself in the, in, the, in the shoes of black Americans. 
how would you not look backwards? <laughs> how would you ever have enough discipline to say, all right, the past is the past, I'll, I'll just go forward? Very, very hard, right? So that's another cost of systemic racism. But what would be a successful strategy, again, not for black people specifically, for everybody? No exceptions, all human beings, everywhere, every age, every ethnic group. Focusing on the future works. It's just better. And that means optimism, even when it's not, uh, not uh, rational, do it anyway. It means having a system more than a goal, doing something every day to improve your situation, even without a specific goal. Goals are good, but you need a system more than that. Affirmations, you know, imagining the good future so you can work toward it. Um, and future talk. Future talk means that when you're, when you're interacting, you talk about the future. And that's pretty much going to work better than the uh, past focus in the long run every time. In the short run, you can get a lot of money out of this, this model, which is the problem, that in the short run it kind of works. You can guilt people into you know, going to your side. So uh, none of that is advice. None of that is advice. Because I, I really I do believe that white people giving advice to black people is just a mistake. I don't think it's received in the right sense. I don't think we have the right context. I don't think we understand the, the multiple different cultures. But I can make an observation. And my observation is everybody who takes the, the, the back-focused view fails. Everybody who looks ahead and builds their talent stack and you know, does the five things for success Unless a meteor hits you, you're going to be fine. You know, you'd have to have terrible luck to not make that work. Now, when you look at a successful uh, black person in America, how many of the five things for success and the forward-looking optimistic things, how many of those do you see present? All of them. All of them, right? Uh, pretty much every successful black person in America has sort of an optimistic, forward-looking you know, focus, of course, knows everything about history, but they have a a focus on the future, and they do the five things, and then they do fine. It works every time. All right. Um, And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what you want to cancel. So for the Washington Post, the question is this. Do you want to see less of this? What should I do? Should I do more of this, which is what I've been doing for years, trying to be useful, or should I do less of it because I should be canceled for being a a damn racist because the fake news produced some fake news to cancel me for largely political reasons? What should I do? All right. So you weren't expecting that this morning. And I'm going to say goodbye to the uh, YouTube people. We'll uh, end on that note. And I'll talk to you all tomorrow.